Happy Friday, guys, and welcome to another episode of Let's Talk Dubs. I'm your host, Bill T. Two weeks left to go until our one crazy weekend here in Las Vegas. That's a weekend full of driving your VWs, and we have a base hotel, the Orleans Hotel and Casino. That's right. I'm working on seeing if we can get a special movie to show that night. Nothing's guaranteed as of yet, but I'm working on it for you guys to make it one more crazy weekend here in Vegas. Now, if you go to letstalkdubs.com and register, you get a special room rate sent to you, so you can get a discount on the room. 50 bucks gets you registered for uh, Poker Run, and the Poker Run has a $1,500 first place prize. 50 bucks to win $1,500 sounds like a deal to me. That's only two weeks away, October 16th and 17th. Make sure you guys get your rooms reserved and plan to be here because we've got the fourth floor parking lot on lockdown. And you want to talk about the best backdrop for pictures? I'm going to tell you what, the Vegas skyline and all your pictures, and I can't wait. Looking forward to seeing a lot of the Listeners out there, come out here to Vegas and uh, kick it with us after this crazy year of 2020. Now's the time on the podcast where you jump in and help. Help the growth of Let's Talk Dubs. Take some time right now and forward this podcast to 10 of your VW friends. Have them listen. And if you guys get 10 of your friends to listen and shout us out on Let's Talk Dubs page, we'll go ahead and give you a shout out on the podcast. First shout out is going to go to Leaf Grandguard from Norway. Hit me up on Instagram today. Tell me he's enjoying the podcast all the way over in Norway. I thought that was pretty dope. So give him a shout out for that because dude's all the way across the world. And we're growing like that. We're listening to in over 50 countries. I'll give you the top 10, 50 countries. United States, United Kingdom, Australia, Canada, Norway, New Zealand, Finland, Cyprus, Germany, and Ireland. So those are our top 10 countries that we're listening to around the world. So get in gear. If you guys are in any of those countries that I mentioned, go ahead and give me a uh, Hit me up on Instagram and uh, give you guys a shout out on the podcast. I appreciate you guys listening from all the way around the world. Jonathan Hammett from Hammett Tattoo Studios hit me up and he was like, hey man, I enjoy the podcast. I'm out of South Florida and I'm in town. I happen to just bomb into town with my lady. Wanted to stop by and just say, hey, meet you, shake your hand, whatever. So we met up at the studio, chatted for a little bit, studio aka garage. We talked for a little bit, hung out, heard some V-Dub stories that he had going on. He's uh, building his dad's car back. It's just a it's a great opportunity that I get to meet some of the listeners. You guys are over in town. Hit me up, and we'll see if we can't cross paths and connect. Matter of fact, give me a shout-out on Instagram. If you happen to come to town and we hung out for a few minutes or we crossed paths, I said, hey, or whatever the case is, uh, I'd like to see how many people that I've met up here in Vegas that listen to the podcast. So I know there's a few of you out there. So anyway... Um, on today's show, today I got a good show for you. Dan Ledbetter. Who's Dan Ledbetter? Some of you, some of you young cats might not know this. Dan Ledbetter was in some capacity involved with VW Trends Magazine, and for the most part, the editor of VW Trends Magazine up until 1997. Uh, started out as a contributing writer from uh, a, a kind of a long shot in the dark, just a small town boy living in a lonely world until he took his uh, Volkswagen and went down to Los Angeles and ended up in the publishing business. A great story, lots of cool insight. He's just awesome to have on the podcast. We talk about VW Trends, what happened with him, what was going on while he was there, publishing business, some of the ins and outs, starting a new magazine, a lot of different variables like that, but a real great podcast to listen to today. A man who was once called the worst thing that happened to the VW scene by a legend in the industry. Oh yeah, you're going to find out who called him that. So rock and roll, guitars, and get ready to go on this week's podcast with Dan Ledbetter, former VW Trans editor and all-around VW enthusiast on Let's Talk Dubs. A Volkswagen is a nice station wagon to have around the house. 
Okay, everybody, we're back once again this week and in my constant pursuit to bring you back things from the archives and history of the Volkswagen world, I've tracked down former editor for VW Trends, Dan Ledbetter. He was in the magazine. He was involved with the magazine from 85 until 1997. He was heavily involved in the VW scene. Matter of fact, he graced the cover with his beauty in the the December 86 (laughs) issue of VW Trends. So welcome, uh, Dan, to the podcast today. Yeah, thank you. More, more like uh, unearthed, I think would be a better would be a better term. Than well, back. yeah. If if the uh, if the listeners will get out there, because a lot of our listeners have huge collections of VW magazines, if they get out the, the December '86 VW trends, they get to put a, a face to the name. It might have been a few years ago, but listen. Um, my my favorite look at the look at the cover and and some of the things I long for in the past that are gone from the magazines and, and this new PC world we live in is the uh, French cut bikini gal yes. um, on the cover with you and my favorite was when I cracked open the centerfold and there's one in a cat like pouncing position on t- <laughs> on top of the car and I miss those days of old but uh, listen it it all starts somewhere and that's why we have you in the podcast and and. and we always start the podcast with our with our flagship question, which is, how did you get into Volkswagens, and what's your VW story? Oh, good Lord. My, my VW story is uh, long and sordid, and uh, could probably be like one of those, uh, well, I was going to say like one of those old romance novels, but right. it's more like, uh, more like the weekly world news. It, it <laughs> right. really is like, uh, my first... All right, well, let's start at the beginning. I, I was born at a very early age. Right. Uh, <laughs> but uh, my first VW uh, I got, I bought from a retired pastor uh, whose name was Sam. And he had a 1964 Beetle, and he pulled the back seat out and put down a piece of plywood in the back because he'd throw his golf clubs back there. And he would go golfing. I bought it from him uh, with, with money that I had uh, that I had saved up. Uh, it was 400 bucks and it was, it was just a piece of crap. It was <laughs> horrible. And, but it was like, it was like my first Volkswagen. I was like so excited. Yeah. And this would have been, well, right after pretty, pretty much after I got my license. Right. So, so the moment I got it, it's like, I, I go, what can I do with this? What can I do with this car? And I went out uh, in, uh, this was in Orland, California, which for those of you who are uh, geographically challenged or like to stay away from toxic areas, Orland is about uh, 100 miles north of Sacramento. Oh, okay. little tiny town. At that time, 4,000 people, one stoplight. Uh, it, it was actually a very cool place to live because we had Chico, California, which was 20 miles uh, west or east of the city, and they had an old auto house store. that was called the parts barn at that time but they carried all the auto house stuff so i would go over there on saturdays and walk around the store and go oh my god these are all cool what can i do i want to i want to do something really cool and so i ended up buying a set of uh fiberglass bucket seats for like for a like a baja bug or a sand rail Uh uh-huh and uh, me and a friend, we got out a drill and we bolted them in. Well, the problem was uh, I got the driver's seat in like perfect so it would stay. <laughs> but the, the passenger seat kept coming loose. And like my best friend Don and I would be driving around and I'd hit the accelerator. He'd go flying into the back seat being flopped around by this fiberglass chair. It was absolutely horrible. Nice. But, but I digress. Um, I, I mean, that was what really got me started in 
in my love for Volkswagens. And a uh, little known fact, uh, one of the old issues, I believe it's the issue of Hot VWs that had uh, the bad company, uh, it was a green car, I think, doing a burnout yeah. at the drag strip. I actually wrote a letter to the editors, and they published it. Really? Back, back in the day, I was asking for uh, those plexiglass replacement side windows, you know, that were like big air scoops. Uh-huh. Because I couldn't find them anywhere, and I'd seen them, and I really wanted to get a set. And so I, so that's where I really got my first uh, article published was in Hot BWs of all places. Ah, nice. Yeah. So I ended up moving to uh, Southern California. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was playing. I was actually playing drums in a band, and had gone overseas for about uh, about five weeks, and came back and didn't really have anything going on, and nothing was happening, and and uh, one of the friends I met over there said, dude, you, what are you doing in Orland? There's nothing in Orland for you. Move down to Los Angeles. There's all kinds of things going on. So I said, all right. So I packed up my uh, 64, drove down to Los Angeles, <clears throat> got a uh, got a job at Vans Tennis Shoes. Oh, really? Like back when they actually made them in Anaheim. So I was the, <laughs> I, I was the assistant manager of the Westminster store, uh, which is really ironic because... When I was working there, I met my now uh, girlfriend. Really? Yeah, we we like we were we just became really good friends. We dated for a year. We broke up. We kind of went our separate ways. And thirty some odd years later, we found each other again. And so now we're we're quite the item. That's so wild. Yeah, that's a whole nother story for another <laughs> podcast. A true true romance podcast. We can talk about that. I love it. But uh, so I was working at Vans, and then. Um, they had a whole shift in management, and they said, we want you to fire. All the assistant managers are going to be fired. Well, they had moved me up to manager, and I, I was my job was safe, but I really liked the guy who was my assistant manager. And I go, I can't fire this guy. He's doing a really good job. That's not fair to just do that. I, I, and I said, look, here's the deal. If you're going to fire him, I'm going to walk. And they said, well, sorry, that's what we're going to do. So I quit. And I was like, oh, what am I going to do now? You know, I thought I was standing on a principle, and now I'm standing <laughs> right. in the un- unemployment line. <laughs> Who's with me? Um, exactly. Yeah, crickets. Crickets. <laughs> so so uh, I'm, I'm sitting at home, and I'm going, oh, what am I going to do? Now it's like, I don't have anything to do. It's 19, like, it's like 83 or 84, and I'm like going, oh, God, what am I going to do? You know, I can't. There's no bands that want me, and I'm, like, doing something. And so I finally got a job at Small Car Specialties. Oh, really? Over in Anaheim. I was working in the warehouse. And nice. I worked there for a year. There's a, there's a million stories I can tell you about that, which are very funny and uh, don't really uh, fare well to my driving record. But we can <laughs> talk about that at a later date. Sure. But my, one of my bosses, Sam Shackelford, who is the uh, owner of Rancho, uh, transmissions, right? You've heard yeah. of Rancho. Yep. All right. So he used to work at small car and we, we were friends and we'd joke around and I had my, you know, my piece of crap VW mm-hmm. and he knew Bob Clark, who was the editorial director of VW trends. I think Mullen publishing at the time and Bob would come down to small car and, you know, they would do stories and things like that. And here I was this little, little, uh, uh, warehouse guy with a mullet and a beat up Volkswagen. <laughs> nice. And, and I, I jokingly said to Sam, I said, I said, Hey buddy, why don't you talk to Bob 
and have him come and do an article on my car. And he laughed. He goes, ha, ha, yeah, we'll call it the pile of the month. And I said, I said, let's do it. That'd be hilarious. And so he called Bob and said, hey, I've got this kid over here. He's got a, a, a beat to shit piece of VW. Right. And he wants to do an article called pile of the month. What do you think? And Bob goes, ah, have the kid write something up and and I'll take a look at it. And I'm like, but Sam comes back and tells me that I'm like, holy crap. I didn't expect him to like really want me to write something. Right. I never, never touched a typewriter. Never touched a camera. I got D's and F's in English in high school, and I'm going, oh, my gosh. I'm, I'm like, what have I done? So I spent four days, four days, <laughs> finger typing on an old typewriter, you know, one key at a time, typing out this story that I had. I was great at creative writing, but my English and grammar were just terrible. Right. But. But after four days, I finally got it written, and I handed it to to Sam, and and uh, Bob came down, and he got it, and he goes, I'll, I'll take a look at this. I'll get back to you. And like, I thought, he's never. They're gonna have a good laugh, and then you know, I'll be uh, I'll be unpacking Delora carburetors for the rest of my life. And so uh, a day went by, and he calls back, and he goes, This is the funniest thing I've ever read. Do you want a job? Oh wow! And, and I'm like. Uh, let me think about it. Yeah, when do I start? <laughs> so, so I became associate editor of VW Trends on that one, uh, that one deal. And how like it, how old are you at this time? I would have been twenty four, twenty five. <clears throat> it was eighty eighty five when I officially got the job. And, so yeah, I would have been twenty five. And so to maybe some of the younger listeners out there, they might as well made you king of Facebook. Oh my God! Like. I, I'm, you know what I mean? Our world was the magazines. Like that was yeah. the pinnacle. And to get a job, like just to get a walk on like that, it, I mean, yeah. what was it that was like? Amazing. It was amazing because number one, I'd never, I mean, I'd had job jobs, you know, like yeah. I worked, I, I worked at a Burger King in Willows, California. I was the assistant manager making $4 an hour. Cash and, and like, checks. This, yeah. Right. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm thinking I'm on top of the hill, you know, but then, then this was like, well, no, you're going to get a salary and we're going to send you out and you're going to cover events and you're going to do this. And I'm going, holy crap, I've never even held a camera in my hands before. I don't even know what to do. Like, what do I do with that? <laughs> so so I get the job and like I'm just thrown into the deep end. I mean, I remember um, one of my first jobs Yeah. Uh, was I had to they sent me to I believe it was San Francisco to shoot, um, I can't remember the guy's name, but he had that dual-engined VW-powered uh, funny car. Uh-huh. Red, was it the Red Rider? I can't remember. But mm. but I'd never even touched a camera before, so but so I got like a quick ten-minute lesson on you know setting the f-stops and getting it in focus and what to look for and how to frame a frame a photo from uh, Robin Hartfield, who's now. Uh, one of the top guys over at Dealer News Magazine. He was my editor at the time. Yeah, and they flew me out there, and I'm going. I I do not. I don't know what I'm doing. It's like it's like putting a dog in charge of <laughs> flying a Learjet. It's like I, I'm. We're, it's going to crash and burn. But I was able to get the photos, and we were able to pump them up and light them and do it. And but that was. Uh, I have to tell you, that was the scariest part of the whole thing was really being thrown into the magazine industry and, and saying, okay, you're basically, you've got 
uh, platform for your voice. You need to find your voice. You need to uh, find your writing style. And I'm like going, dude, <laughs> I can't. I could barely sign a check, let alone right. uh, find a writing style. What am I going to do? Well, and so, that, and then that's one of those. That's one of those things where it's like you get what you wish for and then you instantly regret it because now all of a sudden all your inadequacies which everybody refers to as anxiety today which is healthy it just overwhelms you and you have two choices you either persevere and push through and fake it till you make it right or you you just crumble and walk away you know well and and honestly there were a few times where i i would go home after work and go they're they're going to catch on (laughs) They're, they're going to catch on. They're onto this fraud. They're onto this entire fraud scam thing, <laughs> and I'm going to be the janitor in the mailroom. Is what I'm going to be. But uh, you know what? It it actually worked out, and uh, for whatever reason, um, the, the my personality. I just decided that I go. I can't fake it. I can't try to be like Mr. Motor Trend of Volkswagens. I can't right. pretend to be. Uh, you know, like, uh, I can't pretend to be, um, you know, uh, the guru of all VW knowledge. I go, I'm just a guy who loves VWs and I can barely spell VW, but I love them. Right. So it's like, so I just said, I'm just going to write the way I think. And I, I started doing it and it, it caught on and it was very popular and they gave me my own, um, uh, monthly column where I could just rant about whatever and. I would go and do tech stories and cover events, and it was it was really kind of cool. And I'm not going to lie, it was really neat going out to events out of state. And when people see you at an event, it's all <laughs> you, you're. It's like you're a rock star. Well, it's like you are a rock star. Well, we, we earlier you said you were a drummer in a band, and, and the goal, you know, the under look. Everyone wants to be a good musician. You gr- you gravitate to like okay, maybe I can beat the drums and be halfway decent. I'm not the front man, you know, whatever. But the, the goal is like get chicks, make money. Like as a right. <laughs> as a young guy, and now magazines are like magazines are it. Magazines are the social media of the time, and it's like yeah. now you're 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 in the in crowd. And now it's like you walk off, you go into Oklahoma for a VW show, and you got a VW Trend shirt on. They've never seen one, and they're like, "Wait a second, this guy, this guy's the keys to make me famous." I can only imagine what the bikini contests were like. Oh, you know what? That's what's so funny. And it's like, I all right, true confession time. <laughs> I, I, I got to tell you, I I have well had I should say had because I'm pretty much over that now but I back then I had completely low self-esteem I had <laughs> I used to weigh like 265 pounds out of high school and I dropped 100 pounds but in my head I still felt fat so all during this time I still felt really like what, what would uh, what would I say I felt like inadequate or less than in the eyes of of beautiful women that sure. I admired I felt like I'm the geeky kid standing by the wall in eighth grade going, I don't think I should ask her to dance because she'll kill me or something like that. Right. So it's like uh, it was fun because I could interact with these with these women as just people. And it, it actually was great because they'd come hang out with me and I go, what am, with this this beautiful half naked woman's like on my <laughs> arm? And I don't I don't I don't even know what what she does. She I, does she like me? I don't even know. So, I mean, I never I never hooked up with any of those girls uh, that we'll get that on the table right away. Right. But, but, you know, I wish I had. Right. <laughs> Looking back. Well, yeah, uh, as you get older, you look thing. back. It's like you t- I, I'm talking to my son and I'm like, son, you just don't know 
women just want a guy to talk to. And if you just talk to them, they're more nervous than you are. And if you're just who you are, but it's like when you're young, you just can't get over that hurdle until you're older looking back and thinking like, man, what a fool, <laughs> what a fool I was on oh, missed yeah, opportunities. If- there's a great picture. If you go on my Facebook page and dig down deep into the photos section, I'm there's, there. there's a few, there's a picture of me at a bikini contest at the Sacramento Bugarama. And this girl, uh, her name was Monique, real exotic girl, just tall and beautiful and all this. And she won and she's given me a hug. And there's this look on my face like, <laughs> oh my God, I've never been this close to a woman uh, before what the hell do I do with her now? It right, was, it's hilarious. It's very. Oh, very I'm cool. looking at it. It's awesome. I'll put it on. I'll put it on. Yeah, the, put uh, it put it up there. Please do any of those photos. Feel free to put uh, to put in there. Yeah. Um, but the the cool part about being at the magazine and being in a company that um, you have to understand that, that uh, McMullen and Ye Publishing back in that day, uh-huh. we we ran really lean, but we the the company was very much about investing in the magazine and making it good and making it uh, something that a lot of people wanted to buy. Sure. Well, part of that was uh, running on a really tight budget. And so we had the opportunity. Uh, in fact, if you if you look through that Facebook uh, album section, you'll find, uh, I think I called it Dan Ledbetter Male Model. Because <laughs> yeah, I was checking it out, all the covers of the magazines that you slightly dude, inserted yourself hilarious. on. <laughs> Like I've been, I've been on uh, Hot Bike magazine. I was on I American Survival Guide magazine, uh, VW Trends a couple of times. I, I think right. I missed a few covers, but it was so much fun, and it was such a tight knit group of just ragtag weirdos. Uh, and it was, it was actually, it honestly, looking back, it was, it was one of the best times of my life. Yeah. Well, you know, don a mustache or a wig, so you're somebody different instead of like, oh, him on the cover again. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? It's like if I if I could just slick my hair back, I'd be okay. But, right? Uh, no, there. Yeah. That's why I was looking at. I was, I was looking at. You're on the cover of Auto Sound and Security behind the stereo. You're on the. You oh, know, yeah. you, yeah. you're. Uh, I think you're hanging behind the Woody in Rod oh. a Rod Action magazine. Rod Action, which sounds like a porn magazine. <laughs> right. But, I'm uh, like Rod Action. What kind of magazine? Oh, I was, t- I was telling my girlfriend last night because I when uh, I had three separate stints of VW Trends. Like I, I got to a point where I kind of felt like kind of burned out by the VW thing, and then I take a little hiatus and I went to work for another company, mm-hmm. uh, which was called I can't remember the name, but they did they did. Uh, <laughs> it's hilarious. They did uh, Rod Action Magazine, which was a street rod magazine, in case some of you are wondering. <laughs> right. I didn't go that, that far into that, uh, that realm. But uh, they also did um, another magazine. I think it was – no, no, that was a different magazine. It was the Southern California Off-Road uh, – some that started with an E. It was called Score Monthly. Score, so it, yeah. wasn't much, it wasn't much better than a Rod Action magazine. <laughs> go from Rod Action to Score, yeah. Score Monthly, yeah. Well, at least it was a step up. So Dan sure. works his way up the ladder. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? But uh, the cool part about this industry, especially the VW industry, is very small. It's it's like everybody knows everybody. And when I worked, uh, there were uh, three buildings the VW Trends inhabited. I I had the pleasure of working at the first two. The one was at uh, uh, what was it? Uh, oh, it was right off the five freeway. Was it the La Palma? I think it was the La Palma Avenue. Uh huh. And the best part was R.K. Smith worked down the street from us. Or not worked, but he lived. Yeah. And so 
we had our office was at the very back <laughs> and we had these windows where you could actually, if you wanted to look in and see our layout board for the month. And so the owner of the company, uh, installed blinds that we pulled down and we actually called them the RK blinds <laughs> because we didn't want him coming over and like checking out what we were putting in the magazine, like stealing our ideas. So it was, it was, it was really fun because we were all friends with all the guys over at hot VWs and, and uh, you know, we'd hang out at events and do things. And now, uh, now let me ask you about, so you're getting, so you're in, you get inducted by fire baptism by fire into the print media business and you you're looking at it from the outside in like hey this is all going to be good times and this this and this and then you get inside and you realize the business of magazines oh my god yes right totally different like everybody's like i hate all these ads well the ads are what pays for the magazine you know what i mean and that's where they make their money talk about if you can for me as you started to assess, because really what happens is there's the lifestyle aspect of being in the magazine, which is glorious in the beginning, and then after a while it becomes a job. Right, absolutely. And then, you know, uh, how does that transition come about? And then as you're introduced from a guy who was Burger King manager years prior to now you're in the print media, now you're in marketing, you know? and right. And how do you... When you start seeing how things roll, how much input do you have, and and are you are you given creative freedom, and you know because they liked what you did, which was different, which then soon became like what transpired years later, where people started to be quote unquote real in their writing, right. you know, right. like how how was that when when you after the the newness of the magazine wears off, and now you're seeing the business of print media? Sure, sure, absolutely. Well, that it was. It, I won't say it was a rude awakening. It was kind of like uh, putting a frog in a pot and turning the heat up. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like you just get used to it. It's like the temperature's getting hotter, but you keep going, okay, we have three weeks to put together an issue. And the day that that issue uh, is shipped out to be printed, which is 90 days ahead of schedule, we're already working on another issue. And so it really started to feel like a job uh, i think it was about year five mm-hmm. year five into it because we were uh we were growing at a great pace and we were the number two vw magazine in the world at sure. this point next next to hoppy w's um and i have nothing but respect for those guys i i do not have uh any any sort of uh, animosity in fact we've always had a friendly rivalry yeah. uh when we were when we were you know uh together but yeah, there. As far as creative input, it's like the magazine basically was ours. So that was the one thing uh, I will say that Ken Yi, the other publisher, Tom McMillan and Ken Yi, who owned the company, mm-hmm. they they really left it into the hands of the editors and the editorial directors because they knew we were the enthusiasts and we, you know, we uh, ate, slept, and lived Volkswagens, and that was our thing. We loved it, and when the magazine started getting more popular and people were buying more ads and we, we had to really, um, how do I say this? We had, we had to come to an agreement with the ad department about a delicate balance because obviously if they could, they'd sell every page of the magazine. Sure. But that's, but that's not really going to be the benefit of the reader. And the good news is I'm, I was, and I am still friends with the guys who were the ad guys back then. The, 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 one of the nice things about 
uh, being in an industry that's so small, you can either burn bridges and then never be seen again or heard from again, mm -hmm. or you can maintain, you know, your level of honesty, integrity or whatever, and just be who you are and continue those friendships. And I've been lucky to be able to do that, not only with a lot of the people that worked at the magazine, but also like I'm still friends with some of the, the models from back in the day that we used, the ad guys. I mean, some of the people who've been in the industry, especially with all of the social media now with Facebook, it's like I'm reconnecting with people. I shot their car like in 1987 <laughs> or whatever it's been. It's been really, really cool. But the, the I remember the day, I think it was after we put uh, we put the December issue to bed and I was like, oh, man, we have another issue to do. We're already into January of like, I don't know, must have been 89 or something like that. I can't honestly, the dates have just flown sure. by. But yeah, it, it, it became, it felt like it became a job because there came a point where I felt like, not that I was burning out, but it, I felt like it was getting more and more difficult for me to bring uh, something new to the table when you're, when you're dealing with a 1967 bug that's lowered, you know, it's got BRMs, it's got a 1776 engine with 44 IDAs and mm -hmm. it's, uh, IDFs and yeah, there's only there's only so many creative ways you can say that. Only so and, many teats on the cow. <laughs> right, exactly. And you know, but I did it and and there came a point to where I really did have a formula and I think uh I think for me that's why I started adding uh the car stereo aspect to the VW magazine. We got a hold of Bill Neal uh -huh. who was the editor of Car Audio and Electronics which was the number 1 car stereo publication at yeah. the time. Loved it. And, yeah, Loved. it was great. And and I, I, I really liked car stereo stuff. And uh, I wanted to see more of that in Volkswagens. And so I started, I said, dude, you, here's, here's two pages and here's how much I'll pay you. And you've got free reign to write about whatever you want. And it worked out so well. And we saw that there was enough interest to where we created uh, myself and Greg Gill, who was uh, the advertising director. Uh, we created Auto Sound and Security, so I was doing two magazines at the same time. <laughs> so that that was that was a lot of fun. Let me tell you, balancing yeah, those just, two like nothing but pressure all the time. When when this deadline finishes, then you have the next deadline, and then it's just like you're just chasing deadlines at that point. Yeah, it's kind of like playing uh, the floor is lava, and there's <laughs> only like two cushions in the whole floor, and you have to keep jumping back and forth between them. But it was it was really fun, and I, I have to say this, that uh, I learned so much, not only about the magazine industry as a whole, mm -hmm. I learned about, you know, I learned about what the readers wanted, and I learned about what the readers were doing, and I really learned that that it was it was an incredibly symbiotic relationship because we would help drive trends to the enthusiasts, but yet at the same time, we were watching and keeping track on what they were doing and go, oh, wow, there's a big trend towards louvered uh, firewalls. Right. Okay, that's kind of the big thing. Okay, so let's start, let's explore that and see what, how many different ways we can, you know, do firewalls or how, is there any cool things like hiding the uh, the spark plug wires, you know, with the with the, the J-tube or whatever they called it. Yeah, and yeah there's the heat riser. Yeah, and there's just so many cool things you can do, and it really, it really came down to even though VWs have been around since uh, I, I think Cro-Magnon days, right? Uh, that it's there's still 
new ways of customizing the cars. And I think that's what's so exciting about being in this industry since, well, since I was in high school, that it it is changing, the landscape is changing, and the way we get our information is changing. But the level of enthusiasm and dedication that these people have for those cars and the fact that now, especially with the new Beetle, the new Beetle is poised to be where the old air-cooled Beetles were in the 80s because they're super cheap. You can buy one for 2500 bucks, oh, yeah. and you can still do a ton of, uh, of mods to it. Well, yeah, a, a, th- a thousand bucks. I mean, I've seen it as cheap as a five hundred thousand bucks for the first edition of the new Beetle, and and yeah. you know, my my brother and I, we do some roundtables. Uh, oddly enough, with two people, and uh, you know, we do some <laughs> some podcasts like that. And we had a little a little thing where we talked about the new Beetle, and you were around back then when that was happening. Yep. And so I have a question. So th- this was my philosophy on the new Beetle. The second generation of the new Beetle should have been the first generation of the new Beetle because the first generation was so bubbly and cartoony. It was demographic specific and it seemed that it was, I don't want to say it was targeted to women, but most guys weren't super into them. The second gen of the new Beetle, the one that they killed off, had so much, a little more slope to it, a little more aerodynamic. And I thought to myself, the, the the hard part for everybody to grab their to wrap their mind around was like okay this is front engine it's you know and obviously technology had changed you of know course. fifty years later but my thought was if they had came out with the new the, the, the second gen new Beetle first and evolved that design it'd still be a, a viable platform because I think that new one was just so cutesy just most guys most VW guys couldn't get into it right, right what's well, your take I, on that well here's the thing I. Uh, I bought uh, the second year that it came out. Uh-huh. I was able to I was able to pick one up. It was a '98, and or a '99, excuse me. And um, I I totally agree with you. It was, it had the same feel. Like when you looked at it, it had it had the same. Uh, how do I even word this? All right, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go like uh, '60s hippie on you. It had the same vibe. Right, no, as no, like, for sure. As like the older, as the older Beatles, which I really liked, and I was sitting there going, "Okay, this does look like a chick car. It's like a chick car." And it's, I bought a black one specifically because I wanted it to look as mean and aggressive as right. I possibly could. And I'm going, "Okay, so now I've got this Beetle. What am I going to do to make this thing just like old school, nasty? Don't f with me, uh, you know, street yeah. car." And, because and, I wanted that aggression. I wanted that aggression like I had in my old yellow bug that was, you know, it had 1776. The front was slammed. It had eight-spoke empties. It had the, the louvered deck lid, and it, was just, it just looked nasty and mean. And I go, what can I do? And I'm, I'm going, I, there, there, there was only so much as far as aftermarket parts at that time. So I go, what can I do? All right, so I'm going to lower it. I'm going to slam 18-inch rims on it. I'm going to black out the windows, and I'm going to do some light modifications to the uh, uh, to the engine. Right. <clears throat> and then I put a big stereo system in it. And honestly, that's all it took for me. And I had more people come up to me when I was driving that car around and go, dude, that is like the most badass-looking Beetle I've <laughs> right. seen. And I'm going, oh, thank God. It's just like they didn't want to put, like, eyelashes on it or, you know, a pink bow on top of it or something crazy. Yeah, but, and, and and that was and that was the thing. Like there were so, and and the funny part is, you look at the early air cooled one, and in stock form, they're both, they're both really 
unassuming, nothing aggressive looking, really. Right. I mean, and it would take a lot of work, and which is why I think a lot of people kind of were just, you know, I don't know. It's generational. I don't know what I don't know what it was, but I, I actually almost picked up recently. I almost picked up a, a late a 2013, the new gen. Uh, oh. like an S model and it was lowered right. on some wheels and it just looked good. And I love the way the, the windshield sloped and all that stuff. So I still want to pick it up cause I got a good, I got a good buy set up on it, but you know, oh, nice. I well, got... that, and see, that's, what's fun. That's the cool part about it. And honestly, I really think that that can happen with the, with the really older model ones too, right. because I, I think that there's a lot you can do, especially if you want to go crazy with them. The one thing I loved about the, the my Beetle was I could put a large pizza and two six-packs of beer on the dash and still have room <laughs> right. for my wallet and my cell phone and everything else. It was great. It had so much real estate up there that it I, it was a pleasure to drive because the inside felt so expansive as opposed to what I was used to with the air cool. Yeah, the dash is, is four feet deep. I mean, it's... Yeah, uh, it is. Good Lord. It's like I think it crosses the state line 10 minutes before you do when you're driving. Yeah, so... So now I want to talk a little bit about the the difference between hot VWs and VW trends. And from a consumer standpoint, from me being, you know, I'm 48. So back when I got into it, I'm 16, 17, and I'm looking at magazines. And my first magazine was uh, the one that I purchased when I was sucking on a Slurpee waiting in line to play a video game <laughs> was the 88 issue of VW trends. And it had... Um, cat's rag on the cover like a oh nice like a nice. raspberry oval window yep. or i think it was a 59 yep. raspberry 59 with a girl with the uh she's got kind of a spanish uh i don't know something she's good looking but you know right. black uh, leggings yeah yeah, yeah. The hats and the little, little and, jacket thing and yeah. so that was the issue for me that was like i think i might have been uh 15 or 16 at the time and uh let me see yeah uh Yes, I'd have been probably 14, 14 or 15 at the time, and I bought it, and I thought, you know, I was broke, and I thought, man, I can get a Volkswagen and make it look cool, you right. know, and, and, and I don't have, have to have a lot of money, because in that era of the 80s growing up, and I've talked about this a little bit before, you know, you had the, the mini truck guys and the VW yep. guys, and, and, they're, and they evolved down the road into later different types of car guys, but one of, you know, one thing I did notice the difference about VW trends. So hot VWs was like when my car got published in the magazine, I was like, no, I'm holding out for hot VWs, holding out for because right. hot, hot VWs was like the pinnacle. But right. in, in all actuality, what I loved about VW trends is they would do a type four article. They would do German look cars. They would do right. like they were. So it seemed like VW trends was pushing the envelope to like new, new, different, something not the same stuff that you've seen all the time and and the vw world is weird it's like listening to alternative music and your friend's like oh, that band i was listening to them before they were even a band you know right you, right exactly you kind of have you, you have that thing and so um how how did you get what kind of feedback did you get from people that were partakers of the magazine and when did you and how did you realize and was it always for you because it was business? Was it based on subscription or how did you figure out which one was better or you felt because obviously working for trends, you would think yours is better. Right. Well, here's the thing. I mean, honestly, we knew we were the number two magazine. There was an old back in the day. Well, now I'm, I sound like that old guy on the yard spraying kids with a hose right now. <laughs> uh, it's like back in the day, there was uh, Hertz was the number two rental car and they're they're. Um, 
their mantra, their commercials always said, we're number two and we try harder. Right. And we, we always knew that VW Trends was the number two magazine, the industries, uh, only because it, it, it was the new guy on the block comparatively. Doom Buggies and Hot VWs had been around for a long time before VW Trends showed up. Uh-huh. And uh, we, we always knew that we had to be different because Hot VWs had the reputation of being um, the magazine. And I spell that in capital letters, T-A-T-E. Sure. They were the magazine. It's like when you talked to VW magazines back in the 80s, it was VW Trends and Hot VWs with Hoppy W's being like, if you had the two in front of you and you said, hey, your car can be featured, which one do you go with? Well, Hoppy W's, because they're the first ones. They're considered the best by by default. Yeah, it's, My, the, it's the Pepsi Coke It is. It's, it's a total challenge. Pepsi Coke thing. And honestly, I think I've always admired and respected Hoppy W's just because I've, I've always loved, uh, I loved R.K. Smith and I loved Bruce Smyrta and I loved Dean Kirsten because I thought they brought a level of credibility to the magazine sure. that like the industry needed. And we, I look at it this way. It's like, we're from the same family. They're the older kind of smarter brother. And VW trends was sort of the younger wisecracking kid that always got into trouble. <laughs> and you could see some of that in the magazine though. Like if you, if you go back and you look at, it looked like, it looked like VW trends was more of like, kind of a party going on you know what i mean like laid a lot of the covers were really like action-packed covers trying to yeah. trying to sell it right from there and it was like hot vw's was real serious we're all business and we're gonna right. bring out the best coolest cleanest and vw trends wouldn't be scared to do to put something completely different on the cover you know yeah well that's i mean and that was intentional because it's it this was never spoken but it was always something that resonated with me about working there was like when we created a magazine, it was like we want to create a party that we would want to go to. Right. And if and if anyone else shows up, it's a bonus. Yeah. So so it's really like we wanted to create something that we got a kick out of and that we liked and that that we laughed at or we went, wow, that's really badass. And it's like if other people thought it was cool and came to the party, awesome. And thankfully, you know, over the years, we had people coming to the party and we were able to you know, stick around until they pulled the plug in, uh, what was it, 2005, when they had the final, March, March of 2005. Now, you were, you had, uh, you had since left, and, and I want to talk yes. a little bit about sure. um, the, the transition, because, and only for selfish reasons, because I was, I worked in car audio, right? So my first job was, you know, working in pizza places and all that kind of stuff. And then I could take a huge pay cut and go be a, a, a grunt over at a car stereo shop. But right. I was, I was a bass head. I loved music. I loved it right. loud. And it was like, and, and, and Volkswagens and stereos was like my thing. I was known as the stereo guy, like go listen to Bill's car. He's got some good stuff in his car right now, right. Or whatever. And, uh, that auto sound. So I have some of those issues of auto sound of security and I have to, because it's my podcast, everybody gets a little bit annoyed when I start talking about me. But we're going to talk about right? me for a minute. So I here, get bored with me, listen, so it's okay. Here's a perfect example of the life of a VW guy. So so I finally build my 63 bug. Nice. I, I, I pull it out, 
And I, I mean, I've, I've been driving and building this car for, for years. I pull it out. I drag race my buddy. I lock up the motor and I'm like, I've had it. I'm done with Volkswagens. <laughs> I'm through. It's for sale. I'm buying me a Riviera because there's a car stare <laughs> review issue that I had that had uh, uh, Jimmy Ray Vaughn's lime green 63 Riviera. And I said, yep. I'm getting that car. I'm going to buy that car. And to this day, on the rack in my garage is a 65 Riviera. I knew <laughs> nothing about him. And I walked up to a guy's driveway. And I and because of – so this is the how it all connects, right? So right, hot right. VWs, VW Trends, car stereo review, see the Riviera. And I go buy this Riviera for 1200 bucks, And I drove the wheels – I actually drove the harmonic balancer off of it. And wow. then it's been a never-ending money-bleeding project for since, since 1996, and uh, but you love it. I, I love, love it. it, and I and I bought the car, and I I was replicating the stereo, like the Sony. I think it was a CDX 2001 or one, the right. one that he had on the sun visor, and I bought all those parts and pieces, and now it's like, wow. it's so funny because. You see these snapshots in the magazine and younger, like now kids are trying to live to what they see on Instagram and right. TikTok and, and that's what they're emulating. And everything for them, I kind of feel bad, is snapshots. It's four seconds, three seconds, two seconds. For us, right. we got a magazine we're holding on to for three weeks and we're studying everything about the pictures, about that, because we see that as like, that's the li Like I'm telling you right now, my favorite covers, period, bar none, our VW Trends covers, like all, oh, thank you. all the car wash scenes, all the, right. like, all that stuff. You know what I mean? And uh, and it's like, when I did my Hot VWs, my, my Hot VWs cover with R.K. Smith, I said, I want to do a garage scene. Those are my favorite scenes. And so he was like, he, he was like yeah, cool. And by no means was I told you're going to get the cover or any of that kind of stuff. It was just like, yeah, sure. So we shot my car at a golf course, came back to my house. I pulled a couple cars out in the driveway, wheeled out a toolbox, all this kind of stuff. And I got lucky enough to get the cover. And it was like, nice. for me, it was like, I love, I, I love a picture that's, that's like worth a thousand words and it's Absolutely. one thing if it's a static car now a question i want to ask you about this at yep. any times in any of these magazines is there any stuff that you guys did in pictures that nobody knew about but you did some stuff to kind of either take a dig at somebody or make a joke or do that kind of stuff did you guys ever get away with any of that stuff in the features or on the cover you know what uh, that's a great question and the 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 short answer is no uh because <laughs> uh, i i mean there were opportunities galore that we could have done. I mean, there are millions of, we could have had hoppy dubbies like under the front tire of a car. We could have, uh, you know, had a, a, had a sticker crumpled up on the ground or whatever, you know, there, there could have been a million things, but you know, it's like we would think about it and we would talk about it and then we go, you know what, is that the kind of war we want to get into with them? Cause they're, <laughs> we're both in the same town roughly. I mean, we were in Anaheim, they were in Costa Mesa at the time. It's like, it's like uh, they're too close. RK is right down the street, and I go that. I don't know if that's the kind of pissing contest I want to be a part of, because I thought the two magazines complemented each other, and there was enough room in the industry to where we didn't have to do subtle digs. Now I will say this: there was a period of time where we would. Um, well, I was going to say accidentally, but that'd be a lie. We we basically <laughs> stole uh, some of the models from Hoppy W's. 
So like we're, from back to the even the models were magazine specific, like, oh, no, no, no. Like if you shoot for trends, we're not shooting you anymore type thing. So, yeah, so it, it got it did get to that point. Now, it, that happened with cars and with models. Now, if there was a car and, you know, they would tell they would at least my recollection, I could be wrong. You might have to double check with RK, but it was like if somebody, you know, if it had already been shot for trends, nope, Hoppy Dubs wouldn't shoot it. Right. And vice versa. Yeah. We, Honestly, we didn't care because we would still, like, when did they shoot your car? They shot it today. Uh, let's shoot it now, and then we would push to try to beat them to the, to the magazine. Sure, sure. Like, especially... we, we would hold an issue. Like, if it was going to go in two days, we'd call the office and say, hold, hold three pages because they got two pages of color <laughs> and a page of black and white on this car that Hoppy Dubbies has, has already shot, but we want to beat them to it. And so we, we would do that. And so there would be that kind of rivalry, which really – it, it kind of funneled back onto the owner of the car because right. then they'd be like, Hey man, you're like do- trying to double dip. And it's like, I didn't know, man, you know, I wasn't, I don't know, but well, it was a lot, it was a lot of fun. So that was probably the only, um, really aggressive rivalry that we had was like with models and with cars events. I mean, uh, there's enough room to do, you know, two styles of coverage for events, tech stories. You know, there's a million things you can do where you're not crossing swords and, and that type of thing. So, and would 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 you guys fight over advertisers as well? Uh, you know what? Most advertisers would uh, would be in both magazines. Yeah. And, uh, and what was the circulation at the biggest that it was? Like when was you know, the that's, peak? That's so funny that you that you asked that. Um, I really I don't know. I I know that it was well over. Um, the last numbers I remember seeing, which was a couple years before I left, where it was closing in on two, on 200, 250,000 copies. I mean, that's a lot of magazines. That's a lot of magazines for, for a real niche industry. Oh, I mean, un- unbelievably niche. Yeah. I mean, you're talking st- micro small. And it was worldwide. Yeah. That was the cool part. We were shipping issues over to Japan. We were shipping to France. We were shipping to England. It was just everywhere. So there really wasn't... There wasn't too much fighting for advertisers. I mean, there were some advertisers that felt they were getting more bang for the buck in Hoppy W. So they mm-hmm. might run two pages and they'd give us a page. Right. Or or vice versa. We would we'd get like uh, w- when we had CB Performance uh, in there, who who I I'm I'm still friends with the guys over there. Uh, sure. But. Uh, yeah, they used to uh, they used to run a couple pages. Like sometimes they do two pages, then they'd scale back. You know, uh, earlier in the year they'd do a page, then they'd bump it up, and I think they they jockey it back and forth between magazines. But now, yeah, one of the questions that I have, and only and only because um, uh, my inadequacy apparently requires me to to tell you why I want to ask this question, but. <laughs> <laughs> But because of because of the business that I'm in, right? I, I, I'm right. A, I'm I'm a contractor. It's my day job, right? This is my passion and my love. Is this, right. and but as my as a contractor, I would advertise in magazines, and one of the things that would frustrate me is I would advertise in a magazine. and I would look at my person that's coming to collect my money for my ad, and I'd be like. So they'd say, hey, do you have your ad ready? And I'm like, do I have my ad ready? I thought you're making an ad for me. Well, right. you know, give me some pictures and some this and that. What do you, how do you want it? What do you want to say? And I'm like, well, yeah, but isn't that your job to market my, like, if you're doing your job right, I'm telling you, I can't afford to buy enough advertising space. And so did you guys run it to where like, let, 
let me design your ad or did you ask the uh, supplier or the, the vendor to, to create their own ads? Most times it would be you supply us with camera-ready film. Mm-hmm. Like you'd give us artwork. Now, it's not like now where you'd send a PDF file sure. or something through the mail, but it was like, yeah, you send us camera-ready artwork. Either you have someone sketch it out, design it, typeset it. You know, This was back in the day when there'd be a, a typesetting machine that would spit out columns of type, and then they'd have to glue the back and press it down onto... <laughs> Uh, boards so like crazy. It, it, it was amazing in fact uh i've got a couple of the old um i've got a copy of the proof of my very first article that pile of the month from back in the day oh, i'll wow. take a picture i'll take a picture of it and yeah. uh that's and post awesome. that but that's it was awesome. cool i mean I, that's something you know that i'm proud of but yeah it was back in the day it was like no you provided your either a business card if it was a business card size ad if you had a full page ad you designed it now i think uh, be, being that it's been uh, a million years ago and uh, I can barely r- remember my name from day to day, I think there might have been a service where we would create ads for people, but I can't be 100% sure. Right. But I do remember most of the time it was like, hey, you here, Johnny Speed and Chrome, you're, you got to get your two pages to us by this date or it's not going to go in. So, yeah, it was, it was more about uh, them supplying uh, the film. And well, maybe not the film, but actually the actual flats for us to, uh, you know, uh, photograph and then turn into that magical magazine stuff that got shipped off for printing. Well, yeah. And, and, and so some of the, uh, some of the process of doing that, like a typo wasn't as easy to fix. Like a typo was like somebody glued the letters on backwards or misspelled something in the typesetting and things to that extent. So, so the, the the pressure of getting all the stuff in last minute and then who's responsible as editor, are you finally responsible to go through and check everything for uh, spelling and punctuation, all that stuff, or you guys had a team of people? I mean, you said you guys were on a shoestring budget, right? Right, right. So, well, that was one of the biggest criticisms of the magazine. Like, if you go back online to the Samba and, and those things where they're talking about VW Trends, one of the biggest criticisms of the magazine was spelling and grammar. Uh, and, no, no one likes those people anyway. Yeah, I think you know what uh, th- those are the people. Uh, those are the people that would say, you know, if you type T H E R E, it's like, oh no, no, no. I was just thinking they're there and there, like they're there, there. Exactly. You should go over there and talk about that. No exactly. Cares. But you know, and and I get it. It's like you know, if you're if you're paying that kind of money, you would expect some level of professional journalism. But you you have to remember that we were professional man. journalists when when I came on to VW Trends. I was plunking out stories on a typewriter. I would pull the paper out, walk across the room, hand them to Robin. Robin would sit there with his red pen, go through, hit every misspelled word, hand it back to me. I'd have to go back, retype it by, you know, finger, you know, doing the Columbus method, find key and land on it. And I'd retype it. I'd send it back. He'd go, no, you misspelled this one now. and and So sometimes I'd have to read an article like five different times fixing my spelling and it'd be like by the time I was done, I'd go, oh, if I never see this thing again, I, just, I want to kill myself. <laughs> but then we'd, we'd send it in, and then it would come back from the proof, and Rob would go, oh, damn it, I missed that one. And he'd circle it, and we'd send it, we'd get it fixed, reshoot it, and then send it off. So, yeah, there was, there was, a, um, there was always a feeling of uh, uh, hurry up, hurry up, hurry up. You've got to get this done. We're on a deadline. We've got, you know. X amount of pages that are due and the art department see back in the day 
we would write the story mm -hmm. and hand it off to somebody in the typesetting room. They would manually retype it in the linotype uh, machine, mm -hmm. spit out the long pieces of... Uh, the columns? The columns, <laughs> give it to the art guy. The art guy would be sitting at a desk with a big piece of, you know, of, of uh, like thick, thin cardboard and be pasting columns and where <laughs> pictures were going to go and calling out colors and all of that stuff that now, you know, now anybody with a, with a computer can do, but we'd get that. Then we'd have to go through and look at it and it would have a, uh, a piece of vellum over the top and you'd circle things and go, Nope, that's not right. This needs to be moved over a little bit. And it was, it was, it was a, a complicated thing. So I, I can't fault people for giving us crap about misspelled words and things like that. And at the same time, you know, uh, cut us a little bit of slack. It, right. it was, uh, it, we were, we were just young and inexperienced and we were just trying to figure things out as we went along too. Just like most people, when they first get a car and they get a set of metric wrenches, they go, uh, well, let me pull each one out and see where it fits. You know, that right. kind of thing. Well, so, and, and also it's just like in the VW scenes, like everybody that gets their first Volkswagen, it's a late model. And then right. they then they show up at the meet like I'm finally one of you guys. We're like mm, snob, that's a '73. Yeah. <laughs> Get out of here. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah. All of a sudden, you just left the guys that were listening to the college radio station that just laughed you out of there because you're listening to something on Top 40. And now you show up at the VW meet in a '73, and everybody's turning their nose up at you. Right? It's, They're like nothing, you, you, nothing, uh, nothing more than a '67. Uh, right. That's the, that's the limit. Right. And it's it, it it it's funny how there's that layer of everything. I I, I joke all the time because my brother and I talk about. We have different philosophies on things, and I'm like, "Well, look, bro. Jesse James forges his own steel now, so he he wins. He forges <laughs> he forges his own freaking steel because the OCC chopper guys are guys getting stuff off the shelf. You know what I mean? Like it's it's the whole right. like who's doing what. But the 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 beauty of it, and and one of the things I want to ask you about it is ultimately. I see a person of VW. I don't care what year it is. I just start chatting with them because a VW guy sure. is a VW guy, and I've owned Mustangs and Buicks and and Typhoons and Cyclones and and all of the other monikers of cars, all the other brands. There's a certain characteristic of a, of an enthusiast, right? Like a Mustang Absolutely. guy is a must. Yep. Like they're just a Mustang guys, right? And My brother's a Corvette guy. Yeah, he is a Corvette guy. He loves Corvettes, but. I've always found that in all of the car brand specific type people, VW people seem to be literally like like it says the people's car. It's like it's like Noah's Ark. There's two of every kind on there and they're all into whatever and there's you can relate to them. You know, they they seem to be a little more easy going. I mean, it depends. You show up at a DKP meet, they're they're DKP guys and they've got their there, you know, but but there's enough variety in the scene where Absolutely. there's a space for everybody. Now, with making the transition and then and then taking on the the death punch of doing, you know, the, the Auto Sound of Security magazine, like that. Right. That's now, and that's probably to follow the pursuit of you guys staying on something new. Going into that, well, before I get into that, I just wanted to ask, I can ask yeah. a question. So the the magazine was McMullen and Yee, right? Yes, McMullen and Yee Publishing. But Tom McMullen, right? Tom McMullen. He was the founder. Uh, he started the whole company. Uh, the very first magazine they did was Street Chopper Magazine because he had a chopper company. 
that right. he would build parts for. Yeah. And it was AWE Choppers. And he found that the catalogs that he was uh, putting in pictures of customers' bike with naked chicks in it was outselling his parts. And he thought, there's something here. Yeah. And that's how he started the publishing industry. And was he around when you worked at the magazine, or he was gone by then? Oh, no. Tom Tom was definitely around. Now, I, now and so I've, I kind of, a lot of us in the VWC, we don't really know about Tom McMullen because it was it was so secondary in the magazine was what we're after and all that kind of stuff. But Tom McMullen was a different cat. Oh, he was a different, well, and no pun intended, he definitely was a different cat. I mean, the yeah. uh, the, the logo for the company was a cougar head. Yeah. <laughs> and there's a funny story about, uh, about a uh, court battle between Tom and uh, Mercury. Really? Because the Mercury logo was very similar to the McMullen logo, but we had the logo first, apparently. And that there there was uh, some agreement reached. I, I don't know for a fact. I've heard rumors that it involved uh, a box full of gold-plated uh, cougar emblems that was delivered to the house. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just telling what I was told. I have not seen them. I have no basis in fact about that, but... There, Tom was Tom was a different guy, man. Uh, I have a lot of stories that are probably inappropriate for this uh, podcast, <laughs> but let's let's just say that um, you know I really believe that that Tom was kind of like a mad scientist. Yeah, he he was this bigger than life personality, and he had a vision that he wanted. He he. I, I think he fell into the magazine industry by accident. Right. I think I think when he saw that his catalogs were out selling his parts, you know, he still did it, but he started doing this. And then he said, well, if this is cool, oh, maybe we should do this. Well, I'm kind of into this. Let's do this. And that's where, like, Street Chopper came from. That's where Street Rotter came from. That's where Truckin' came from. Right. Mini, mini Truckin'. Uh, uh, I, I actually came up with the idea for Splash Magazine. Really? Uh, which which was our watercraft magazine. Uh, I, 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 all right, I'll I'll put my cards on the table. <laughs> I I was uh, uh, at, we were at Washington. Uh, I was sitting at the table with one of the guys from Hoppy W's, Jeff. Oh, what was this? Jeff last Walters. Name? Was it Jeff Walters? I think it was Jeff Walters. And we're eating at a at a burger place. And he's saying, yeah, man, you know, like I'm kind of getting into like jet skis and watercrafts. And he said, I don't I don't think there's any magazines out there. And I thought, wow, that's kind of a cool idea. So as soon as I got back, I went into Ken Yee's office and I go, I go, Ken, I think we should do a jet ski magazine. And let's call it like Splash or something. And he jumped on it and it became it became a, a, a great magazine. So I got a $250 bonus. Nice. So, you know. So that bought me lunch and a couple tanks of gas. So now you're was, retired because of that. <laughs> now I'm, re- I'm retired because of that whole thing. But it, yeah, it, work, working for the company, working for the company was honestly it, it had such a wild cast of characters. I mean, I have heard stories because not only was the uh, cougar the mascot, mm-hmm. the, the you know the, the the trademark of the company, but Tom actually had uh, cats that lived in the building <laughs> he's one like, of those guys like oh so you guys see new pet tiger like what? yeah it's like tiger king kind of but you know uh, but, but less sorted well no it's still pretty sorted but it, it, he had the tiger the 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 cats in there and i remember uh joan one of the the ladies that ran the front office she would open the door and look down the long hallway and these cats would come running running down the hallway like <laughs> 
And it'd be like she'd come back outside and close the door and like she had to call Tom to come and get the cats because she was scared to death. I mean, there were so many fun things like that and so many funny stories. Uh, You know, it's like I, I could I could literally sit down and write a book about the things I've heard and the things that I've seen and the things I've experienced. It, it was it was definitely uh, like the Wild West of publishing. Well, yeah, and you know, and and how I and how I got turned on to the to to knowing a little bit about Tom McMullen was like after you know R.K. Smith lived down the street from Tom McMullen, and so he st- he helped them wire a car, and right. th- and that was the beginning of his evolution into you know getting into the automotive industry and all that kind of stuff, and. And then I just happened to be surfing Tom McMullen, looking him up, and then I start seeing these these write ups about him. About the dude was just he was just uh, a, he was definitely like you said a larger than life character. He was that um, he he was li- he was living the catalog. You know what I mean? Oh yeah, oh yeah, definitely. He uh, uh, maybe maybe one time off microphone, we'll sit down and crack <laughs> open a beer and we can talk. Uh, I'll tell you some of the inside stories that are just like you're gonna go no way. Oh, I'm gonna are have you to, kidding I, me? I, I'm for sure gonna have to pay a visit uh, to you after uh, after this podcast, just because in my head there's just so much going on. But let's get let's get back to the magazines yes, real quick yes. and, and your history in there in VWs. Now, having being part of the magazine, you started out with your pile. And then eventually, did you start getting like a nicer car and getting yes. some parts because of your affiliation with the magazine? I was like, hey, Dan, why don't you have some of our free this or some of that? Since you're in the magazine, we want to get on your good side and blah, blah, blah. You know, like. Right. Yeah, that definitely happened. Actually, uh, my my piece of crap pile of the month, it, it ended up going away. And I ended up getting like, I think, a 71 a 71 Beetle, and it was it was almost as bad as my 64. <laughs> right. uh, and I drove that, and I finally said, you know what, I need, if I'm going to be like involved in this magazine, I need something at least that's kind of cool right. to drive around. And so um, one of the first covers uh, was a gas station shot where there were three, there was one bug that was up front, it was yellow, and it had these great graphics going over it. And it was a, I think it was a 222... Was a 2275 cc motor right. that was alcohol burning, and the the car was called Pure Hell, and it was it was actually featured in one of the early early issues of the magazine. Well, Bob knew the guy, and the guy wanted to sell the car, and and he goes, hey, you know what? Uh, if you really want a car, I can get this car for you. I think it was at the time it was like three grand. He said, but I'm going to pull the alcohol motor out and put in a uh, new 1776 for you that's drivable. And is that something you'd like? And I go, yeah, of course. I'll, I'll, I'll buy that for three grand because I was making, right. you know, I, I, what I thought was big money at the time. I was making, I think, 19000 a year Cash was my big checks. salary. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I was like, I was going, I'm living high on the hog. I, I can afford the good cat food now. Right. So, <laughs> so I bought that car and that was like the coolest car I ever had. And uh, then I took my old uh, pile of the month, and I thought, you know what, I'm just going to do something really crazy with the thing, because I've always been a, a dare I say, uh, like Apple said, uh, you know, years ago, think different. Right. I, I thought I thought really different, and so I built like a panel wagon out of it with one of those old panel Ford panel wagon kits, yeah. and I got the creative car craft fenders with the rectangular headlights and the big, and I had 16s on it. And I put like uh, I think I put in uh, I think I, I put in another 1776, 
had a huge stereo system, and I think I had one of the first Alpine CD players that ever was released. That's probably uh, a 7901. <laughs> I think the 7901, absolutely, playing uh, Bruce Springsteen's Born in the USA CD, if I remember correctly. Where no matter but, what, it skipped. Like no, no Oh, ma- yeah, it didn't matter. It had yeah. a separate piece that goes under the, uh, under the driver's seat. <laughs> yep, absolutely, absolutely. And so, yeah, so I, I, I gradually started getting, you know, nicer cars and having things done to them. And like, uh, you know, you, you, you do. In the magazine industry, they would give you parts and they would say, hey, we want to do this for you. We want to put on a, you know, one of our cool new front ends. Okay, yeah, we want to put on disc brakes. Okay, that'd be great. Yeah, let's do this. Let's do, you know, some fun stuff. And that was one of the perks of the deal because we really weren't making a lot of money. So really the, the, um, the benefits of being a magazine guy was you got to get cool parts and you got to actually try them out and you got to, you know, yeah, you, you got kind of first dibs on all the cool stuff. And so that was really great. And it was always fun. And, um, you know, I don't think there's a, there, there was only one time where I think I got a part that was really bad. And that was when I had the, uh, the new beetle and it was like supposedly this, uh, spark enhancer thing. And I put it on and it burned out, <laughs> You know the number three piston, and it's like, oh my god! That's always but that great. was like that was like a year after I installed it. You know, you never know until later, so it's always too late to rag on the company. But right, um, but it was it was it was always fun in the sense of there was always something cool, and you could always do a project car. And uh, the last thing I was doing before I left the magazine was I was actually working on building uh, a big badass Type Four powerhouse of a motor i was working with um who was i working with i think fat performance i I wasn't working with fat i think i was working with scat and uh uh, oh who was it i can't remember who put it together but then like when i when i left the magazine i always said oh i gotta go back over and get that and then when i went to go get it he said oh man you never showed up so i sold it So I never got my Type Four motor that I've been working on. So and when you but, and when you leave the magazine, like when when you leave now, do you leave to take over Auto Sound and Security? Yeah, there was um, there was a, a point where doing both magazines was really kind of straining me. Yeah, because it's like because I really was stretching my creative energy over both, and I really couldn't say I was giving one a hundred percent of the you know of the attention it deserved so it really came a point where ken you just came in one day he said look you know you gotta you're well you didn't even say pick he says you're you're going on auto sound because i think that was that was a higher revenue generating magazine at the time well yeah all the all all these stereo companies have tons of marketing budget oh yeah you're just like you're struggling to sell a 400 ad these guys are like four thousand no problem here you go (laughs) <laughs> right, exactly, and so that's that's when I made the transition over, and you know, and left it in the uh, the capable hands of I think uh, at that time it might have been Clark Emery uh, or Bruce Fordyce. Yeah. I can't quite remember uh, who was taking it over at that time. But you know, the cool part was it was I was right across the hallway, so I could walk over and see what they were doing and say, "Oh, that's kind of cool. That's kind of neat." And, well, and I'm and I'm thinking maybe that auto sound because as a VW enthusiast and also an audiophile, you know, right. I would always look at the car stereo review and auto sound and security. And I'd look to see if someone had a Volkswagen in there, you know what I mean? Right. Cause you're always looking for that connection and I'm not sure, but I do remember a couple of Volkswagens in one of the car audio magazines, but I'm not sure if it was auto sound and security or 
in because you guys are more of like a review magazine and and it, like I said, like Car Stereo Review was like really the turn your nose up. We they all, were the hot VWs of right, uh, but and, and but all their industry. and all their stuff was unrealistic. Like you guys would feature a car from Oklahoma. <laughs> They're only right. most of the cars they were featuring were cars that were maybe. Right, like they- they did Alex Lifeson's Mercedes uh, when uh, Alex Lifeson, the guitarist from Rush. Yeah, they would do like all the high-end celebrity yes. cars and things like that. Which I mean, I get. It's like that, and again, that I think was the difference um, between us and and Car Audio. And, it was and, like, and how we did were you like, guys fare? Because you're coming into a, a hot market space, and I think car stereo review was really the only one out there at the time before auto sound and security i'm, I'm not sure but i don't remember i have collect I'm, I'm a magazine collector like an idiot right and i've got boxes of magazines and i have a bunch of car stereo reviews and i've got some of the auto sound and securities but uh what what other game was there in town besides car stereo review well uh, other than car audio and electronics there was nobody the, the, they were the two and we came in and at least in my never to be so humble opinion, I think we trumped <laughs> we trumped uh, Carstera Review because we were uh, again much like Car Audio was the hot VWs. If you were to make a parallel, right? We we were the VW trends of the car stereo industry because we like to have fun. We like to be edgy, and we would we would feature things like we'd. Um, you know, we did like these street rods that had a car stereo and like we did Boyd Coddington's, uh, street rod that had a car stereo system in it. We would do, we would try to be as cool as car stereo or car audio. And, but yet we didn't want to lose our user friendly approach. And I've always said, we've always been more of a hands-on real world, uh, magazine because we would like. When we would get products, it's not like we just get them and you know put them in a, a back room to sell on Craigslist or something like that. We'd actually install them and like use them right. and like go, okay, here's what we liked about this, here's what we didn't like, and really give it uh, what we what I like to term a real world road test on stuff to see if it actually if it actually did what they said it would do. Well, yeah, it's it's funny because as as we're looking at this I'm I'm sitting there thinking like, man, I wonder what other crossovers there are and I'm remembering that. So when I first had my bus out, I got a spar- a partial a partial sponsorship from um Audio Bond. And, oh, okay. There and, you go. And audio and funny is there's a company called Dubfab. I don't know how much you're involved in the VW scene now with what's with everything's going on but but dub fab is out of uh like hurricane utah and he makes yeah. all bus suspension and air suspension all that stuff and when i got to talking to michael about his past he's like oh yeah i'm from california i was a sales rep for audio bond blah blah blah, blah. and i'm like oh how funny is that because it's oh, like oh my god now That's he's funny. manufacturing vw parts in in hurricane utah and getting out of california and and the, you know, in that whole 80s generation, it was like, you know, I used to sit there as a kid on the side of the street watching these cars race by the apartment complex I lived in and just listening for the bass, like who had the most right. bass coming down the street. And it was like, it was, it's such a quintessential time of the 80s. It was like exuberance, uh, you know, stuff off the wall. And then you had the conservative type magazine like Car Stereo Review, Car Audio Electronics was more the broader aspect. And right. then auto sound and security, you could tell that you guys were car guys as well, not just like, well, I know you might not think much of this uh, BMW three, you know, the BMW right. uh, five series here, but wait until you look at the, you know, 
yeah, image dynamic speakers and the ADS amplifiers and like all the stuff that no guy can afford. And in your small town, nobody even carries ADS amps and stuff, you know? Well, that was the fun part about it because I, I mean, as we were just like with Hoppy W's, we were very friendly with the, uh, the guys from car audio, you know, we'd see them at events. We'd talk to them. Of course, you know, they were very, uh, (laughs) they were, they were a little standoffish and I get it, you know, because I think, I think Bill felt like we kind of used him in a way to get the car stereo knowledge and then boom, we come out with the number two competitor to their magazine. Right. And I, I, I get it. I get that. And, but you know, uh, again, it's like, that's the beauty of, of those days. It's like, you could come up with the most outlandish idea and you could come up with a magazine for it. And uh, it was fun because they really were, they were kind of, they were even more elite than hot VWs was in the fact that like, almost to the point of like, uh, like wine snobs would go, I would never drink out of a mason jar. And we're like, here, forget <laughs> right. the glass, give me the bottle. I'll just chug right out of that. Like, bottle's just a vessel, buddy. Get, yeah, exactly. get it down your gullet. <laughs> yeah, let's get one of those beer bongs and see if we can do that to a bottle of Chardonnay. See how that works out. Yeah. But, but it really was. It really was kind of the same type of vibe between the two magazines. It's like if you had a really... You know, if you had a really big build in your car, you would want to be in car audio because that was sort of the pinnacle. Much like if you had the big badass, uh, you know, if you were Chris Addington and you had spent, you know, uh, a bazillion dollars on your Gia, you want to be on the cover of Hot VWs. And, you you know, you you very well, you know, uh, you you earn that spot. And, of course, it's really cool because... We we did uh, we did a piece on his wife's uh, fifty six the fifty yeah the the, the fifty six or fifty so I think it's 50, a fifty seven yeah one of those cashmere yeah. cashmere yeah cashmere thank I, you I, and I just did uh, I I literally so Chris Addington's before my time because that magazine was eighty five but right. it was always like can you believe this car and there was the rumors this guy's got a quarter million dollars in this car this guy's a he's a he's an architect he does cad like you know and i had a chance on one of my last podcasts not long ago driving to san jose i was going through bakersfield and i'd been harassing like much like i've been harassing you i was harassing chris and i'm like hey buddy it's bill with let's talk dubs and he's like what does that even mean and i'm like don't worry i just want to stop by shake your hand for building the gia and he was a little standoffish and then once we got to breaking the ice chris is a so- solid dude the car oh, he's great he still he's great. has the car it's been repainted completely rebody worked updated graphics they blew the whole car apart the guy is like a meticulous fiend oh he is and he, he really was the bar oh man uh that was set by which all other volkswagens would be judged i really feel that because he was down to the nth minutia of what you could be doing to the car he was like okay we need to go fix that because it's like a minuscule amount off from where it should be yeah, and he was that way, and 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 still being a cool guy at the same time. Yeah, no, it it was a, it was a great opportunity, but you know, you see some of these cars besides Chris Addington's car. Are there any other cars that stand out to you that that uh, maybe was like the or articles or features or anything that was like this this huge prize or huge thing you were hunting to get and to be oh able to gosh. get it and break it first? Anything that anything that comes to memory of. Well, of my time at the uh, magazine, yeah, sure. Yeah, well, I would have to say uh, there were the, uh, for VW trends for sure. It was uh, doing Billy Gibbons uh, VW pearl, pearl necklace. Oh, um, 
that really? was for me that was like uh sadly did not get to shoot the car but he sent the photos and the tech sheet and i wrote the thing up and it you know it it had a spot on the cover and and the coolest thing was um about 30 days after uh it hit the newsstand i get a letter in the mail and it's from billy thanking me for how good of an article I did on his car and he signed it. And, but this is the best part. It's like that, that to me, I still have that framed with the feature. It's in my garage. I have it framed with the letter and everything. And it's like, that's kind of my, one of my crowning moments of being with VW trends. So when I did uh, auto sound and security, one of the things I built into the magazine was I did a music review section. Well, I did it because I wanted to get free CDs and scam concert tickets. Right. And so uh, I got to go see um, I got to go see uh, ZZ Top when they played in Orange County. But before that, I called up the record company. I said, "Hey, I really want to interview, uh, you know, Billy Gibbons. I'd like to interview him for our magazine, you know, about car audio and and then the car scene and everything." And I don't know why they said yes, but they did. And <laughs> I got him on the phone, and he was, like, the coolest guy in the history of the world. He, like, picked up the phone, and he, he called me by name. He said, Dan, how are you? And I said, I, I, I'm great, Billy. You know, I'm from I'm from uh, Auto Sound Security. He said, yeah, you're the guy that did the feature on uh, my Volkswagen, the Pearl Necklace. And I'm like, oh, my God, he knows who I am. And then I hear in the background somebody's, like, calling for him to do something, and he, he puts the phone away, and he goes, hey. I'll be down in a few minutes. I'm on the phone with Mr. Dan Ledbetter. I'll be there when I get there. And I was like, holy crap. I can let that you go. Like, I can let you go if you really got to go. Oh, my God. Yeah. It's like, if you got to go, Billy. No, we're talking. Right. This is, he goes, this is more important and way cooler. And I was like, oh, my God. So we had just the best conversation. So yeah. that would probably be my big standout as far as uh, cars in the magazine. I mean, there's so many really great, uh, great cars that have, uh, come through. I keep calling them cars, but it doesn't feel right calling a Volkswagen a car. Right. You know what I mean? It's yeah. like I say that as a generalized term, but then I go, that's not, that doesn't fit. There have been so many great Volkswagens that have, that have passed through our magazine, like uh, the Future Shock, the pink, uh, the pink square bag where it, yes. it had the top, top cut off. It was like a great car, and I loved that car, and I loved, I loved all of the different, the different looks from around the company, uh, country. I love the stuff that was coming out of Florida. I love the stuff that was coming, you know, from the East Coast. I loved all the stuff that was like in the Pacific Northwest. It was so much fun um, being out there and being like having really having your finger on the pulse of what the enthusiasts were up to. And yeah. it was just it was just such a great time to be in that industry. And you know, it's uh, I I think back, you know, it was funny when you when you started uh, contacting me too. <laughs> do this do this podcast because you know i'd I'd actually been sitting there thinking you know i I think I might want to build a project and and to that end i've got I've got two Volkswagens now i've got a uh I've got a fifty six that I'm gonna build up and i'm and sitting in my driveway is a beat to crap sixty nine that I'm gonna you know tear apart and sell for parts to finance the 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 fifty six and it it's like you I think you can take the guy out of the Volkswagen but you can never take the Volkswagen out of the guy. That's so rad. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's awesome. It's really, it's really great. And it just feels like, you know, like 
having a Volkswagen in my driveway and looking at it and going, okay, what can I do to this thing? What can I do? And it sparks that thing. And I'm, I'm 60 years old, right? It's like I'm not a spring <laughs> chicken anymore. But it's like in my head, I still feel like I'm that 25-year-old guy that just got a job at a Volkswagen magazine and go, oh, what can I do? What would be like totally rad to do this car? Right. You know? And and it's like it's never left, and I'm I'm still I'm still that young kid that wants to do something cool, even if nobody else likes it. It's like I like it, and that's yeah. all that matters. And, and and I think that I've I've talked about what makes a car guy, and I think at some point when our when we're young and impressionable, we see a guy in a cool car, and we're taken back by the cool car, and forever in our lives we're like, man. Pfft. All I need is a cool looking car like that, and right. my life's gonna be problem free. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like the thing—the thing that always that I always thought was amazing was when you'd see these cars and you'd go, "I know why they do it. I get it, man." It's like it's like because they want to not only impress other guys and say so. Guys go, "Man, I'd like to be that guy," but they also want to impress the chicks. So the chicks go, "I want to be with that guy." So it was like yeah. I want to be that guy, so I can get the chick to want to be with me. Well, and it was it was such an in, a unique industry, uh, you know. The, 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 who knows why girls were interested with these giant mullets and <laughs> these idiots, and, yeah, <laughs> and, and the uh, dolphin shorts and the belly shirts and the oh my god! Don't forget the, the don't forget the. I was going to see if you saw the bad boy shorts that you're wearing with the skull oh, and crossbones. <laughs> I was like, I, I wish I did. I wish I had those because I I'm I'm kind of uh, hard to believe. But I, I really have kind of a a, a dark, morbid side too. Yeah, you do. <laughs> I love I love horror films, and I love like skulls, and I go to horror conventions and stuff. But you know, to meet me, you'd go, "Oh, this is this guy's like two clicks away from collecting uh, Hummel porcelain, porcelain figures." Right. But but it's it's fun, and I wish I had those bad boy shorts, and I wish I had the skull tennis shoes that I used to have, and like. It's so much fun to look back at that and go, what was I thinking, number one, walking out of the house dressed like that? And number two, that that was an acceptable style of, uh, of clothing. No, well, you know, as you see things, you know, starting to evolve and you, it, it's funny, years and years ago, I was listening to something about investing and whatever and they talked about demographics. Demographics are what push the market. Demographics are what do this. And they said that people spend the most money when you know when they're in their mid 40s that's when they're at a point where they start to go back to you know buy cars they had back in the days and then some some people in their in their mid to late 40s into the 50s and that kind of you know that's what happened to Harley Davidson that's where the right. baby boomers were at that point Harley Davidson in 2008 and all that stuff and that's where you saw that and and as our demographic and you're you're a little bit uh, you're, you're a little older than me. I'm 48, but in that bridge of, you know, mid 40s to early 60s, it's all guys that were around the VW seems like you were one of the elder statesmen because you were you were one of the guys making it happen at the magazine, which is a which is a pinnacle of achievement in the history of this. But because this demographic is pushed to this level, this year the Grand National Roadster Show. I was on the phone with them today. This year the Grand National Roadster Show is going to have an entire showcase of Volkswagens there. Well, I'm going to be there. Yeah. I have already made a made a point that I am going to be there for that show, and I'm also going to be at the uh, the uh, the Type Two event that's coming up in Long Beach. I think it's on the 16th or the 17th. Yeah, the the 16th is the Octo event. Unfortunately, yep. we, we we've got an event here in Vegas going the same time as that, October 16th oh, and 17th, okay. and because we're trapped on a 
you know, we set it up. We had planned to do it when they were doing that weekend with uh, right. Corey Mack and all that stuff here. And we ended up, they canceled their event. And I said, to heck with it. We're still doing ours. And ours is more of a, because of all this nonsense with social whatever, right. Um, right. ours is more of a interactive driving event where we're doing uh, a strip cruise Friday night, a, a, oh, nice. a city cruise during the day, and then starting at like in the early afternoon, three to five o'clock, we'll be starting the poker run. And the poker run is going to be five locations to stop in Vegas, get a poker card, come back, and we'll give somebody $1,500 cash that wins the best poker hand. So, oh my God. but, and we've got a base hotel and casino at the, at the Orleans hotel casino. So unfortunately I'd love to see it Octo, but we're not going to be there. Um, right. but I'll, I'll for sure see at the grand national roaster show and possibly sooner than that, man, I might just come down, I just come yeah, down to come barge on, in come on, on you on down, man. It's like, uh, it's, it's, uh, you know, uh, thank, thank goodness we can still travel somewhat and yeah. yeah come on come on down. Well, now let me, t- I have to tell you one story. I sure. know we're running out of, no, time. no, no, we're not. Listen, listen. People love the podcast being as long as they are, so feel free to. You got a good story? Right. Let's have it. This is this is kind of my my pinnacle of working at VW Trims, and I with with no disrespect to the person that said this, I want to put that out there up front. <laughs> right. Uh, I think it was the second year I was the editor of VW Trims, or it may have been when I was associate editor. Don't remember the time. But uh, one of the other staffers was was talking to Gene Berg. Yeah. And Gene Berg said, and this was a direct quote, Dan Ledbetter is the worst thing to happen to the VW industry. <laughs> I, let me tell you, now, now let me explain something to you. When I first heard that, I was crushed. Right, absolutely. I was, I was like, oh my God, that's like, that's like that's like Jesus saying he doesn't like you. Right. <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? It's like I like everybody except for you. Yeah. Except for you, right? <laughs> Jesus loves you. Well, you're kind of an ass though. But <laughs> right. It's like it's like I was like, "Oh no." And then I stopped him and then I stopped and I went, "Wait a minute. He knows my name." I I, I had a pity party <laughs> for about for about two or two or three days. And then I stopped and I started thinking. I go I go I, I, I've always been big into music, right? Yeah. And one of my favorite stories was how the Alice Cooper group got started. They played at the Whiskey A Go Go, opening up for The Doors in 1969. <laughs> yeah. Do you know this story? No, go ahead. I, oh, okay. Oh, it's good. I have a feeling they, I know where it's going. <laughs> they they get up there, and there it is a packed house who came to see The Doors. Alice Cooper gets up there, and before the third song is over, they emptied the place out because everyone <laughs> hated him so much. Well, it just so happened that Frank Zappa was in the audience, and he stayed for their whole set, and he he said, if this band can clear out an entire room of people <laughs> who came to see The Doors, they have something going on. <laughs> and now... Awesome. And, and now Alice Cooper's a household name. So it's like I kind of adopted that same thing, and I kind of hold that as a moniker of pride. Yeah. That, like, if I have the ability to make someone that upset that I am the worst thing to happen <laughs> to the VW industry. Actually, I think I'm going to get a T-shirt made that says Dan Ledbetter is the worst thing to happen to the VW industry, you know, uh, hyphen Jeanberg. Yeah. But, but I, I, I think that's like that to me really encapsulates – 
what we were trying to accomplish because we didn't want to be the norm. We didn't want to be like everybody else. And, and we knew, you know, just like uh, just like anything, there are going to be people who like you and people who don't like you. And it's it has nothing to do with you. It's about them. And, right. you know, because we weren't the purest group that we didn't do things the way that people wanted. Some people just really didn't think we were a viable magazine, but we were. We were the number two Volkswagen magazine in the world. And and I'm proud to say that I was a part of that. And I'm actually proud that Gene Berg thought I was the worst thing to happen <laughs> to the VW industry. So there's some of those things. There's some of those things that display maybe the irony in what's going on. Like I, I would t- people have heard me on the podcast say before, my favorite trophy is my second place plaque with the picture of my bus on it. You know what I mean? Like, like to me, it's my favorite trophy because it's the irony of people's choice. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's, and not that like what, whether my bus was better or not, but it was just like, I, I build the bus. I built my bus. My first bus that I had, I built it to get in the magazine was my goal. I got in the magazine. After that, I drove the living crap out of it and, you know, put thousands of miles on it since then. But it was like, for me, it was just like car shows. I all, all the trophies that I had or the plaques or whatever the case was, they were all in a box. And it was just like, eh, they're not a big deal. I mean, for me, it was just more about the, the thing the VW world has brought to me is the friendships that I've made, the connections, the culture, uh, you know, the enthusiasts and the hobbies, uh, the, the, what the hobbies turned into for me. You know, su- such a bigger a bigger piece of of um, of more than a hobby, like something that takes right. on its own, its own thing. And, and you, once you, once you become this, everyone shows up people that may know you a little bit, but aren't like really close friends. Oh, Hey, I found this little VW that I bought. I, th- I thought of you and your dopey right. bugs. And here's a little V, you know, you get all these gifts of VW this or VW that, but, um, it, it just, it's just, so ironic when things like that happen, but you know, uh, you know, like for me, when I was selling at Pomona Swap Me one time, and Gene Berg bought a set of DCNFs for me, and I was like, oh, "That wow. was Gene Berg." That was, and I couldn't believe how high he had his pants pulled up, and right. I was just kind of like, <laughs> and he had little fisherman hat on and stuff, but it was like, yep. I mean, there, there are all these things where we see people and we and and we, you know, we put people in a different place because of who they are, their name, but you know, at the end of the day, we're all just people. And yeah. some people are going to like what you do. Some people are not. And, and the problem is before people used to have to go out of their way to insult you. Now there's on the internet. It takes no time oh, at all yeah. just to put some snide comment and, re- and wreck your day. Right. It's everybody's a keyboard warrior. You know, right. it's like, it's right. like, uh, it's like, sure. You know, anybody sitting behind a keyboard in Podunk, Iowa can write a disparaging remark and, and say stuff about you and not really have any skin in the game. You know, it's like, you know, it's not like back in the day when you were uh, on the school playground. Somebody said something to you, beat the crap out of them. <laughs> right. You know, settled now the old-fashioned way. Right, exactly. So and that's what's uh, you. I, I want to comment on what you were saying about like what your prized possession was, because it's like it's those little things like that that <laughs> you know what I taking first place would have been great, <laughs> but taking second place like there's there there's a a bittersweet irony to it that's actually more fun to talk about. Right. You know what I mean? It's like oh, yeah. I, in 19... All right, I'll, I'll, this is going to date me. <laughs> 1982, Yeah. Uh, I fancied myself a stand-up comic. <laughs> and so there was this place, uh, Showtime, the cable network, was doing Showtime's Funniest Person in America competition. Uh-huh. 
and at this bar in Chico, California. Uh, so I was 22 at the time. Uh, they were having, they were doing like the Northern California, you know, uh, finals. And I thought, well, what, what do I got to lose other than an ultimate humiliation of being sure. on stage and nobody laughing? So I go down there and I, I become, I, I took a runner up in, yeah, in nice. the, in the competition. So I was like, uh, much like you and your second place, people's choice. I was second place people's <laughs> choice showtime runner up funniest person in America. But the, 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 the fun part about that is one of my friends from high school couldn't sleep one night. They're up at two in the morning watching cable and Showtime runs my clip. <laughs> I didn't even know it was there. And they called up. They go, dude, you're on TV and you're telling jokes at this bar. And I'm going, I have never seen it. But it, just knowing that someone else saw it makes it all worthwhile. That's, and that's, that's the fun part of it. That's the fun part of it. So one of the things that I, that I wanted to talk to you about on the evolution of all this is – from 97, uh, it's like eight years later, the magazine goes bye-bye. Right. Are you still connected with what's going on? And do you have an idea and understanding of the evolution of, because this is now, and in your opinion, what killed it? And is I it? Can, I can tell you exactly what killed it. Let's, let, let's hear this. Let's hear it. Here's, here is the short version of what killed VW Trends. The short version is twofold. One, you had a company that didn't care about the magazines. They cared about the numbers. Yeah. That, was, that was probably the biggest thing. And number two, you have to remember that the industry was evolving and people were getting away from the older cars. And it was a whole different generation of, dare I say, kids mm -hmm. who were coming in that like, oh, I don't, I don't want that air-cooled thing why would i want something air-cooled why can't i have something that's water-cooled that's reliable why can't i get a honda or a kia or something like that when i can go and spend you know i could get more parts for that hundred dollars that i'd spend on a volkswagen i could buy for my honda yeah and i and i think that that was part of the demise of of our industry now i when i say demise i don't mean a complete demise because obviously there is still a huge, huge following, and I love that about that. And I'll go one step further, is I really feel that there is, right now, at this very time, there is a really big wave of people wanting to reconnect with the things that made them happy in their youth. Yeah. And v and for me, at least, VWs was a big part of that. And I think that's why I ended up getting a, you know, a, 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 a shell of a 50, 57. And it's like... A, is I want to I want to somehow reconnect to that, and I think that there's a big push for that. It, it, I think it'd be awesome if somebody came back with VW Trends and then did a you know an online version or something like that. But I, I really think people are trying to reconnect with their past and find things that bring them happiness. Because honestly, with all the crap that's been going on in 2020 and even before then, yeah, it's like people. There just isn't a lot of now. I'm going to sound like Mr. Rogers. There's there, there just wasn't a lot of happiness going on, and sure. people felt felt like oh, you know, life. I'm just I'm I'm just surviving. I'm not thriving. There's nothing that brings me life. I go to work. I come home. I have a beer. I watch uh, The Walking Dead, and then I go to bed. Right. And that's that's my that's my life. And people want to reconnect to that, I think. And I think that that's why that we're seeing starting to see a resurgence. <laughs> Of uh, the air cooled industry, you know, as as shown on Facebook with all of the different air cooled groups, with all of the you know message boards that are still lighting up over 
over a technology that's like that it would be considered ancient. Well, and and I think it's wonderful, and it's worldwide. Um, you know, the, the scene is so gigantic worldwide. I mean, just our podcast I was going through today, looking at the podcast, and we're listened to in over fifty countries, and not for tons. But today, earlier today, I got a text from a, I got a message from a guy from Norway. And uh, he shot me a message said, hey, man, I'm from Norway. I'm a guy named Leif, weird, Leif, you know what I mean? And, Leif, uh, <laughs> right, right. And uh, he sends me a text message. He's like, hey, I'm enjoying the podcast. Thanks for thanks for keeping up the good work. And I was like, man, it's it, it feels good to be able to contribute something and to be part of this history moving forward and to be able to bring interview guys like you, like Chris Addington, like Bruce Meyer, like all these people that were around and everybody played a part in the growth of our hobby and everybody did some sort of somebody turned a dial somewhere and did something right. and whether it was you not only wearing the bad boy shorts but being <laughs> being the bad boy in grammar of you know what i think that's what your day will be the bad boy of grammar beat up trans dan led but i mean that's right. I, I love it you know what i mean i it's, think so I, I think i think the catchphrase should be not even his grammar loved him right and, and it's like and true. it's and, and it's and it's one of those things where you know I love being a part of it and being able to bring it bring it about and 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 get people the stories because the only person that knows the things that you know is you and and when we get you on the podcast and talk about it we get to the we get to into the nooks and crannies of of all the all the detail that happened and that's the the greatest source of that information where so much in today snippets of information are taken from a word misheard by somebody else and it's just so great to hear to hear the stories from those guys that were there that did it, that lived it, you know, and and then then I look back fondly at these magazine covers and go like, man, what a rad car wash. I've never been washing my piece of crap and a bunch of chicks in hot pink bikinis just showed up like, let me give you a hand with that. You know, it's like, right, exactly. You know, sadly, uh, real life never turned out to be a white (laughs) snake video, but yeah, but you guys were selling the dream. You know what I mean? We were, and I think that was, and, and again, going back to what we were talking about, what separated us uh, from Hoppy W's was like, yeah, uh, we, we caught so much flack over <laughs> having a bikini issue, having girls on the cover. It's like we we caught tons of flack, and but we didn't care. Yeah. It's like we go, look, we're not we're not everybody's cup of tea, but we're definitely somebody's shot of whiskey. That's for sure. No, <laughs> and and yeah. that's that's so true. And it's like that's why we didn't care. And we we go, look. We've got the numbers to prove every time we put a girl in a skimpy bikini on a cover, sales went up by either more than a third or a half over covers that didn't have it. Oh, and without question. Without question. And it's like, it's simple math. And it's like, that's what drove it. And I think, I think having that controversy, too, is what helped fuel part of the thing. It's like, should we have girls? Shouldn't we have girls? And then you get a big debate started. Like now, you know, you post a thread on Facebook and you get 10 million people going, well, you're wrong, you're wrong, you're wrong, this is wrong. And th- back in the day, it's like we'd get letters. We would actually get physical letters. Like, I'm I'm a 26-year-old woman from North Dakota, and I hate the fact that you put girls in bikinis on covers because I think it's not right and blah, blah, blah. It takes away from the car. And then we get the guy going, dude, why'd you have one girl? You should have had 12. <laughs> we want more. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, yeah, you can't. you really can't win that argument. But well, it's... It's just funny. It's just funny. And back in the day, like if you didn't like something, it really had to. It really had to get stuck in your craw for you to take pen to paper, lick a stamp, and send that thing. Oh now, yeah, you were committed. You yeah. were committed to that opinion. Now it's like 
you you click uh, tap 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 tap, click a mouse send. Yeah. Back then, it's like you had to be so fired up that you would actually take a pen. What's write the address for that place? Everything down. Where's the address? <laughs> I have to look through the magazine to find the physical address of where that publishing company is. I'm going to write it on an envelope. I'm going to put a stamp on it. I'm going to seal it. I'm going to walk it down to the post office, drop it in the mailbox, and there. And I've we, done my job. You touched on something earlier that I, that I've thought about often. With Hot VWs went out of business a couple years ago and then was resurgenced by uh, Shin who picked up the magazine and they're starting to kind of build that magazine that they, they saved it from extinction, which would have been a, a sad thing. That would have been very sad. And you know, they, when they did that purchase, they got all the archives, all the records, all everything. Right. What happened to everything at VW trends and, and who would know? You know, it's, this is kind of like an area 51 thing. Um, it, it got the last, a uh, physical owner was uh, Ten, the Enthusiast Network, right? That I that I know of. Now, I I like to believe that they're like Indiana Jones when they put the Ark of the Covenant in that big huge vault. <laughs> yeah. That there's some warehouse somewhere owned by whoever owns it, and there's a big crate that says "Do not open." That's got all of the old VW Trends files, photographs, everything that's been archived up there. And I I would love to find it to be honest with you. Oh, yeah. I think that would be. That would be a hoot and a half, um, but yeah, it's I, I don't uh, the answer the short answer is don't know. Wow, yeah, that I would wish, be. I wish I did. I wish I did know because it would be so much fun. I mean, I was cleaning out my garage the other day and I stumbled across like some of the old magazine covers I was on, like some of the old rolls of film that I took, like when I was doing my editorials. Yeah, like there's this goofy ass pictures of me doing. <laughs> Wearing wearing uh, a Star Patrol helmet, sitting with my feet up on a desk, trying to cut the phone cord like I didn't want to talk to whoever I was talking to. Funny stuff like that. Yeah. And it's like I go, man, I know there is like a treasure trove of of stuff that uh, that could be unearthed somewhere. It's I think it's kind of like uh, finding Al Capone's vault is uh, the 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 VW Trends archive somewhere like that. I can only imagine the the, the history that's out there. So before we wrap up, did you want to th- throw any shout outs to some people that that were around back in the day with you in the magazine or that have oh, been gosh. with you till now and and uh, any any of that stuff before we wrap up? Yeah, I, I'll I'll throw a few shout outs. Uh, one one big shout out was is to Bob Clark. Who uh, he works uh, at Rancho with Sam. He's I think he's the marketing director there, but he was the one that gave me a shot. He was the one that took, uh, you know, a 24 year old kid's uh, horribly inept typing, and saw the potential for for something. Like I don't even know if he knew what he what he was looking at, and he said, "There's something here." Yeah. And yeah, big shout out to him for that. And then, uh, really, I've worked. I've had the pleasure of working with some incredibly amazing and talented people. Uh, you know, Robin Hartfield. That I I got to give him a shout out because he's the guy that like made my stuff look good. Otherwise, I would have looked like a really bad copy of Highlights for Children that was totally misspelled. Right. Um, uh, I would say uh, Tom McMullen, who really I don't even think he knew who I. Well, no, I know he he knows who I am. Because, well, I have a story about that, but we can tell that <laughs> later. But, yeah, I mean, honestly, there, there are so many people, um, you know, uh, people that actually believed in VW Trends and supported the advertisers. 
uh, and the people from Hoppy W's too, you know, like I said, it was a friend, friendly rivalry and like RK Smith, like uh, what a great guy, uh, Dino Don Chamberlain, who, uh, is one of my favorite people on the planet. Um, you know, uh, Bruce Samurda had great times with him going to some of the VW long leads when they introduced the new water cool stuff. Yeah. Uh, you know, Mike Summers, like uh, just all these great people, uh, that, I'm proud to say that you know, through the miracle of Facebook, well, a miracle or a curse, depending on how you look at it, sure. that, that I'm still in contact with, even if it's virtually. And all the people that I did uh, articles on who've reached out, like, over, good God, 1987, reached out and said, hey, dude, you did the feature on my car. And I went, oh, holy crap, I did. <laughs> and it's just been it's just been really, really cool to... Um, to see number one, like you were saying about about Hoppy W's coming back from, kind of from the dead. Yeah. You know, it's nice to see that our industry has not died, and that there is still, there's still some life in the old girl left, so to speak. And I I I think that all of these, you know, the online presences and all of that is only going to continue to snowball. And it, uh, I'm a big proponent of the of the term "what goes around comes around" again. Because I really think that 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 VWs, that the air cooled VW, is going to see a huge resurgence, much like the street rod industry. I think it's going to evolve into, you know, a little bit more of a of a guy that's got money's game, like yeah. uh, that that can afford to buy a bug. Because you've seen the prices on, yeah. you know, on on a halfway decent car that you wouldn't have to spend a quarter of a million dollars to, you know, to get into shape. But see, that's what's fun too. Because you can go and buy a beat up piece of crap and turn it into like a VW rat rod kind of thing, or you can turn it into a Baja bug, you can turn it into whatever you want to. And that, I think, is one of the beautiful things about this industry is it doesn't have to have a, uh, a ceiling. It doesn't yeah. have to have a cap on creativity that you can actually turn it into whatever you want it to. And that's, I think that's what makes me the most excited about this next generation that's coming up. You know, I think there's there's a lot of life left in the early water cooled, you know, early Beatles. I think that's the next big platform for customization and really hot rodding. I think that there's so much left into it that we haven't even seen. Uh, I don't I don't think it's I don't think we've hit a, hit the peak yet. I really really don't. And and I, I'm interested to see over the course of the next 10 15 years if I'm fortunate enough to still be around like where our industry is and where it's headed and what what type of legacy are we leaving behind for the for the kids who are coming into this and going wow I think this is the coolest freaking car I've ever seen I want to be part of this VW thing yeah and see and see where they take it so so that's my that's my uh uh, Nostradamus rant for the future. <laughs> I love it. I love it, man. Dan, I'm I'm glad I got you on the podcast. It's been a great time. I appreciate oh, you coming on. Listen, I I might drag you on again. I may I may implement a segment where I just drag you on every now and again. I'll grab a r- magazine at a random, uh, and, and we we'll, might we might discuss a specific article or something that you did, uh, maybe on a, on a throwback episode. I think uh, I think it's it's been great to have you on. I look forward to meeting you face to face at a show sooner or later. And, uh, and, and for sure, man, we will, uh, we will keep in touch without question. Well, I'll tell you what, uh, feel free to call me anytime you want, Bill, because, uh, this has been, uh, number one, it's been a blast and, uh, it's, 
you've got me all excited again. Like I'm sitting here going, oh man, now now I got to go out. I want to build a 2275 and put a blower on it and find out something really wild. So it's been it has been a pleasure and thank you for being persistent and trying to uh, to track me down and pull me out of my cave. No, I love it, man. I love it. Listen, I and I appreciate all the magazines you had a hand in that oh, shaped my future. You know. Oh, thank you. That's really that's really really nice to hear. And if you do want to ever do a retro episode, like you grab an issue and send me a digital copy of it, because I uh, sadly I don't have any of my magazines. Don't worry, I got a stack of them. Do you? All right, and I if, may hit you up. For and a if set. you're ever in Vegas, you look me up for sure. Oh, so. done deal, done deal. It's been too long since I've been there, and I need to go back there. And I, I tell you what, the drinks on me. <laughs> you got it, buddy. You got it. All right. Thank you so much, Bill. No problem. Another reminder, October 16th and 17th, Let's Talk Dubs. Bill and George's One Crazy Weekend in Las Vegas. That's coming up. Make sure you sign up on our store and purchase your uh, entry into the poker run so you get a chance to win $1,500 cash money given away that night. You can also support the podcast by going to letstalkdubs.com, going to the store, and picking up some merch. So support your favorite podcast by buying some merch. Like us on Facebook, follow us on Instagram, subscribe to our YouTube channel because there's some new content from the road trip that we took to Texas to pick up the VW limousine. And you guys are going to be in town for our poker run. We'll get a chance to see the Let's Talk Dubs limo. So until next time, guys, get out there, wrench on those rides. And until next week, later. <laughs> <laughs>